نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah From the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides There is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray There is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger ta'ala, this evening we would like to continue as we come near to the end of Kitab al-Tawheed in this lecture number 52 uh, from our continuous or our ongoing explanation or sharh of Kitab al-Tawheed al-Ladhi huwa haqqullah ala al-Abid by Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab ibn Sulaiman al-Tamimi al-Najdi rahimahullah This evening the chapter or chapters the first of the two chapters that we want to discuss insha'Allah it is entitled Bab ma ja'a fi al-Iqsam ala Allah al-Iqsam ala Allah Yani that which has been narrated or that which is reported of the evidences of the Sharia from the Quran or from the Sunnah concerning the prohibition and the warning against Al-Iqsam Allah. Yani the warning against Al-Halaf or swearing by Allah that Allah will do something or swearing that Allah will not do something as though one's oath will make binding on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what we want him to do. Yani the prohibition and the severe, stern warning against al-iqsam ala Allah, swearing by Allah that Allah will do something or that Allah will not do something as though we know, as though someone from amongst the creatures knows everything that Allah will do or that they have power to make him do what they will. This chapter, though Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab only mentions one evidence, that is the hadith of Jundub ibn Abdullah however it is an important chapter and it makes us to know the need for the believer to be conscious of and to pay attention to whatever he says and whatever he or she does and the position or posture that we take in reference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his rights over us in the Tawheed. Before mentioning the hadith of this chapter, just quickly the introductory statements of Shaykh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz in his Ta'liq al-Mufid concerning the Sharh of Kitab al-Tawheed, he said that in this chapter that which has been reported concerning swearing by Allah, he said what has been narrated concerning it Min al waid of the threat or the warning. Yani what has been narrated concerning the warning against 
swearing by Allah that Allah will do such and such or that Allah will not do such and such. Because when we know that Al-Iqsam Al-Allah, it is going beyond the bounds, it is stepping out of the bounds of the servant in reference to his relationship to Allah, and that it is a defect in one's Tawheed and a weakness of Iman. For this reason, the author Al-Imam Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned this here. Because doing so, it is a defect in one's Tawheed, and it is a weakness in one's Iman. Therefore, the Muslim should be warned against it. Then he says, concerning the statement in this hadith, من ذا الذي يعني the one who, who is the one who has the nerve to swear by Allah, to make an oath by Allah, that Allah would do such and such and so and so, in this hadith, there is a warning against doing so, that one should not do so. Uh, for indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who controls his affairs, and no one can order him or force him to do what they will, and no one knows what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do. The first evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab has mentioned is the hadith of Jundub ibn Abdullah, رضي الله عنه أنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said قال رجل والله لا يغفر الله لفلان that a man he said I swear by Allah والله لا يغفر الله لفلان that Allah will not forgive such and such or so and so فقال الله عز وجل then Allah the mighty and the majestic said من ذا الذي يتألى علي أن لا أغفر لفلان who is the one يعني Allah سبحانه وتعالى is asking a question who is the one the meaning of it it is استفهام but it means انكار that Allah is rejecting and rebuking the one who puts herself in a position to swear that Allah would do such and such and so and so or that Allah would not forgive a person no matter what their sins are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to that one who put himself in that position he said inni qad ghafartu lahu that indeed I have already forgiven that one the sinner who somebody swore by Allah Allah would not forgive them but Allah's forgiveness is vast and it encompasses everything and Allah forgives whomever he wills inni qad ghafartu lahu wa ahbattu amalak and I have nullified cancelled your deeds Rawahu Muslim. That hadith is reported by Imam Muslim in his Sahih. وفي حديث أبي هريرة and in the hadith of Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه أن القائل رجل عابد يعني that the one who made this oath who swore by Allah that Allah would not forgive one that he was a رجل عابد يعني he was one who was devoted to the worship of Allah يعني he was a devoted worshiper and it was because of his worship and his ibadah that he engaged in, that he felt he had a high status in front of Allah, therefore he can swear about what Allah would do or what, what Allah would not do. Qala Abu Hurairah, Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu said, after reporting this hadith, yani a statement from Abu Hurairah, mawkufun, he said, تَكَلَّمَ بِكَلِمَةٍ أَوْبَقَتْ دُنْيَاهُ وَآخِرَتُهُ But that man, he has spoken a word, yani a statement, a small statement, a kalima. And that word, 
يعني swearing by Allah it was a big word to swear by Allah as though one can make something binding on Allah what he would do or not do he said by that word alone awbaqat dunyahu wa akhiratuhu he has destroyed his dunya and his akhirah he has destroyed his dunya because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cancelled his deeds in this world whatever ibadah that he has done Allah has cancelled it because no one has a right over Allah that they can force Allah to do what they will Allah has cancelled his deeds in this world so he has lost his dunya and he has also lost the akhirah because he has lost the reward of those deeds which are cancelled that is the reward of al-jannah the shaykh al-qara'awi hafizahullah says that in the general meaning of this hadith he says that the prophet sallallahu informed us that there were two men one of them salih a righteous man yani rajulun abid as in the in another yani in a report in the actual report of this hadith according to the narration of abu huraira but he has just mentioned yani the meaning of that hadith and he hasn't mentioned the text of it he said that one of them he was a righteous man and the other was a fasiq a sinner and a wrongdoer a person who was living in disobedience to Allah so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when that righteous man who became pleased and amazed with his own deeds with himself yani ajab bin nafs he became yani overcome by his deeds thinking that he was more than he was yani he became pleased with himself and he thought little or insignificant of that fasiq of that sinful person yani he thought himself better than the other because he was worshiping Allah and the other was disobeying Allah so he swore fa aqsama bi anna Allah lan yaghfir lilfasiq then he swore that Allah would never forgive that sinner that wrongdoer so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala became angry with him and rebuked him and rejected his oath or his swearing by Allah that oath which was in a way it was as though that person was taking from Allah his control over the matter yani as though Allah can't forgive whomever he wills but he has taken Allah's control over who he will forgive he has taken it and he has limited Allah's forgiveness to whom he feels it should be given to so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his bounty and his mercy it is not controlled by anyone and therefore Allah rejected his oath and rejected his speech and nullified or invalidated his righteous actions and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave that fasiq or that sinner and in this way we see that a word it was the cause of ash-shaqawa lis-sali yani that the righteous person he earned yani the wretched life yani he was punished and he was sent to the hellfire and all of his deeds were lost while that same word it was the cause of as-sa'ada lil-fasiq yani happiness it was the cause of the sinner actually earning the pleasure and the reward of Allah and entering paradise because Allah forgave him or forgave him his sins due to that which was said by another and the sheikh says here from this hadith there are nine points fawaid or benefits that might be derived from it the first of them is tahrim al-halif ala Allah yani that it is prohibited to make an oath or to swear by Allah yani concerning what Allah will do or will not do that we shouldn't swear by Allah that Allah, Allah will not forgive someone or that Allah will not admit someone to paradise or such and so 
Yani this means that we should not make an oath as though through our oath we are making something binding on Allah concerning what he will or will not do. The second point is tahrim al-idlal ala Allah that it is also forbidden and prohibited that a person should take a position of conceit and pride and take liberties with Allah where they feel that they can say and do in their relationship with Allah as they will as though they are outside of the status of a slave servant in front of Allah the Rabbul Alameen that is the person who became pleased with himself with his deeds or with her deeds to the extent that they began to step beyond the bounds outside of the bounds of the Abd in reference to Ar-Rabb number three the confirmation of the sifa of Al-Qawl for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يعني, that it is confirmed that one of the characteristics of Allah is Al-Qawl that Allah says that Allah speaks and that this characteristic should be understood in the way that is suitable and appropriate to the majesty of Allah. Number four, the obligation of التعدب مع الله في الأقوال والأحوال that it is obligatory on one that they observe adab, respect and proper manners in their speech and in their condition or in their status or the position that they take in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well as in their actions. Yani a person should realize always that it is required to observe good manners and politeness in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and whatever they say and do. Number five, clarification of the extensiveness or the vastness of the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His mercy, the fadl of Allah and His rahmah, that it is vast, that it even can encompass those who are in continuous disobedience to Him, if Allah wills. Number six, Al-A'mal bil khawatim that deeds are by the last of them. Yani deeds are judged by the last of them. A person's deeds, if they will earn Allah's pleasure or His displeasure, it will be determined by the last of them. That which they die upon, the seal of their deeds. And this is yani understood from the fact that that person, Abd, yani Abid, Rajulun Abid, he was doing good deeds, but the end of his deeds, it was that which was displeasing to Allah, that which was a, vi- a violation of a tawheed and violation of iman, and it caused him to invalidate, it caused him for his, his deeds to be invalidated, and for him to be punished in the hellfire. And here also, some of the scholars mentioned in reference to this point, or Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab in the Masail mentioned, that which is related to this point, and that is the nearness of Al-Jannah and the nearness of Al-Nar, that it is near to one. It is as close to one as one's death. Yani all somebody has to do is die doing that which is displeasing to Allah. And if they died in that condition, then they will see how close they are to that place which will be in accordance with that which they died upon. Number seven, that a person might be forgiven due to something that is done by other than them. And it is possible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive someone, not for what they have done, but for something that someone else has done. And that man was forgiven, not for anything he has done, but he was forgiven by the wrong deed of someone else, who wronged him in limiting Allah's mercy from him, that Allah would not forgive him. And as a result of that wrong being done to him by somebody else, Allah forgave him his sins. Number eight, that a person's deed might be nullified by one word min ajli kalimatin 
Yani by one word, one statement that one makes could cause their deeds to be invalidated. And this makes us to know the danger of the tongue and that a person should be careful uh, and selective in what they say. Number nine, the prohibition of taking, of limiting or denying or attempting to take control over the bounty of Allah and His Rahmah as though the human being, the creature, can control who Allah's mercy or favor will reach. Here the Shaykh mentions the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion and the relationship of this hadith to our chapter what has been reported concerning Al-Iqsam Allah is that this hadith indicates that swearing by Allah that Allah will or will, will not do something it is haram it is prohibited it is forbidden and this hadith shows that to do so is forbidden and the relationship of this hadith to the general topic of Tawheed is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of swearing by Allah concerning what he will or will not do because in doing so it is a, destru- a destroying or a breaking up of the right of al-rububiyyah and al-ilahiyyah yani the huquq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of al-rububiyyah yani that he is the Rabb who controls everything and nobody can tell him what he will do or what he will not do and also the huquq of al-ilahiyyah or al-uluhiyyah al-ubudiyyah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the one who has the right to be worshipped and every servant should be as a slave to him and whoever steps out of their position as a slave they have violated the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in con- concerning his ilahiyah his right to be worshipped and that all of his creatures are his slaves and this is so because to do so is a negation of a tawheed or a negation of the perfection of a tawheed because it is an expression of ill manners, su adab, ill manners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it is also an expression of su adhan, that a person doesn't think well, that they have an ill thought of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah will not forgive someone when Allah has said that His mercy overcomes His wrath, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives whomever He wills, except the one who died on shirk. Uh, and this is also so because the one who makes such an oath swearing by Allah about what he would or would not do while Allah is Al-Azim who does whatever he wills then this is yani to do so it is considered as an expression of a defect or a shortcoming in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's right yani his right that to have control complete absolute control over everything and that his servants should be as slaves to him here the Shaykh makes a note, mulahaza, concerning this hadith and another hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which might appear on the surface to be contradictory. And he says that, al-jam bayna hadith al-bab, yani the reconciliation or the way of combining between the hadith of this chapter, yani that it is prohibited to swear an oath by Allah that he will or will not do something. The way that we can reconcile between this hadith and the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in which he said, إِنَّ مِنْ عِبَادِ اللَّهِ مَنْ لَوْ أَقْسَمَ عَلَى اللَّهِ لَأَبَرَّهُ That they are some of the servants of Allah 
that if they have swore by Allah, Allah would fulfill it. And if they swore by Allah that Allah would do such and so and so, Allah would fulfill it. He would make it happen as they swore it. The Shaykh says that the reconciliation between these two statements, which might on the surface appear to be contradictory, is that swearing by Allah that he will do such and such and so and so, its ruling is that it is forbidden, it is haram, and it invalidates a person's deed if it was taken from the perspective of one who has sworn to something that is a limiting of Allah's bounty and Allah's favor and Allah's mercy. While no one should limit Allah's bounty and His favor or His mercy, and it is also an expression of conceit that somebody tries to determine or to make binding upon Allah. Whoever swears upon Allah in this way, then this is prohibited. However, if somebody swears by Allah that he will do such and such and so and so, ala jihad husnizan, yani they swear by Allah that Allah would do something due to their good thinking about Allah, that their hope and their expectation that Allah's bounty is extensive and Allah's mercy is vast, thinking good about Allah, that there is no end to Allah's bounty and His mercy, in that case it is permissible to do so. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fulfill that which that person has sworn upon in some cases. Yani, inna min ibadillah. There are some of Allah's servants that if they swear by Allah in reference to something good, which is husn al thinking good of Allah, then sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fulfill that which they have sworn upon. Uh, before looking at the Messiah, Oh, we'll look at the Messiah now. The Messiah that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned here in this chapter there are five. The first of them warning against At-Ta'alli ala Allah. Warning against At-Ta'alli. At-Ta'alli it is Al-Iqsam. That a person makes an oath, swearing. A warning against swearing upon Allah, that Allah would do such and such and so and so. The Shaykh says, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, concerning this particular issue, he says, this is based on the saying, in this hadith, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَتَعَلَّى عَلَيَّ Who is the one who يَتَعَلَّى عَلَيَّ Yani who swears by me. This is a rejection and a rebuking and a warning against that person. Who is the one who swears by me that I will not forgive such and such and so and so? This is understood here from this statement that to do so one Yani that doing so is something that one should be warned against. And also we understand that there is a warning in this hadith from swearing by Allah in that the deeds of a person who has done so has been nullified. The second issue, it is the fact that an-nar, the fire is nearer to one of us than his shoelaces. قَوْنَ النَّارَ أَقْرَبُ إِلَىٰ أَحَدِنَا مِنْ شِرَاقِ نَعْلِهِ that the hellfire is nearer to one than his shoelaces. It is close to one. And the third issue is related to it, and that the paradise is also like that. It is nearer to one of us than one's shoelaces. The Shaykh has said that these two issues, that they are taken 
or they are understood from the fact that in this hadith the Prophet ﷺ informed us that the one who swore by Allah that somebody's deeds would not be forgiven, that that one his deeds were nullified. His deeds were nullified. And then he entered the fire as a result of that. While the one who the oath was made against, the one who was a sinner, that person, their sins were forgiven and they were entered into the paradise. Then, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen says, here the author has indicated or pointed to in this statement, yani in his statement that the hellfire or the paradise is nearer to one than their shoelaces, he has pointed to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that is reported by Al-Bukhari from Abdul ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu that the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Jannatu aqrabu ila ahadikum min shiraq, min shiraq na'lihi, wal-nar mithlu thalik. Yani he is indicating in this issue, this mas'ala, he is pointing to the actual hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in which he has said that paradise is nearer to one of you than his shoelaces. And, and, and the hellfire is similar to that. And he means to, yani this expression, its meaning is that the paradise and the hellfire, it is very near. It is easy that one may enter either of them. Therefore, one should be careful of what one says and what one does. And the fourth issue, he said, وَفِيهِ شَاهِدٌ لِقَوْلِهِ yani in this hadith, that we have discussed in this chapter of the man who swore by Allah that he would not forgive such and such and so and so and that person's deeds were abolished or his deeds were nullified and he entered the fire he said in this hadith is a support or a witness for another statement of the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith in which he said to the end of the hadith yani that a person might speak a word and in the, the rest of that hadith, he said that a person might speak a word or might say something, make a statement. And he doesn't think that that statement would, would be of the magnitude that it was in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it was such, of such a magnitude that it caused him to be thrown into the hellfire. Sabaina kharifan. Yani the distance of 70 years or 70 any seasons and in another narration of this hadith he said that he would be thrown into the fire further than the distance between the east and the west and that second narration is that which is reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim so in this there is a warning from the slip of the tongue that it might be the cause of one's destruction and for this reason, in another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever can guarantee me that which is between his jaws and that which is between his legs, then I will guarantee for him the paradise. He means that whoever can guarantee yani that he will guard his tongue and that he will guard his private parts and only use them in that which is pleasing to Allah. If he can guarantee that, then he will be guaranteed the paradise. Then the Shaykh says, that this is so, especially in the case of the one whose slip of the tongue is one of those whom the people follow. Like in the case of those who call to deviation and astrayness and we seek refuge in Allah from such. Such a person, indeed a word that he says, 
that he calls people to deviation, it could be the cause of him being thrown into the hellfire in this way, for indeed he will carry the weight of his own sins and the weight of those who followed him until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. The last issue that the Shaykh mentions is that a man might be forgiven by reason of something which is the most hated of matters to him. Yani something that he detests. As a result of that thing which he detests more than anything else, it might be the cause of him being forgiven his sins. And this is like this man, he has been forgiven due to the rebuke that was made against him or the censure that was made against him by that worshipper, that devoted worshipper. And this might be understood from the words where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in that hadith that indeed I have forgiven him. And then the shaykh closes this point by saying there is no doubt that a person might be forgiven by something which he detests which is the most detestable of matters to him like al-jihad fi sabirillah the one who goes forth in jihad in the way of Allah as in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kutiba alaykum al-qital wa huwa qurhun lakum that it has been prescribed or decreed or made obligatory on you fighting in jihad while it is something that you hate it is something hated to you wa asa an taqrahu shay'an wa huwa khayrun lakum and it, it, it may be so that you hate something while it is good for you, وَعَسَى أَن تُحِبُّ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ And it may be that you love something while it is evil for you. وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ For Allah is the one who knows and you do not know. The questions related to this uh, section. The first of them, what is the meaning of al-iqsam ala Allah or swearing by Allah al-iqsam ala Allah it means al-halaf yani swearing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do something or that he will not do something as though one's oath can make it binding on Allah to do what we see or what we will number two what is the hukum or ruling concerning al-iqsam ala Allah yani the ruling the legal ruling concerning al-iqsam ala Allah is that it is haram it is forbidden for the one who does so from the perspective that that one is limiting or assuming to take control over Allah's bounty and His mercy prohibiting some of the people from it or as though one can absolutely say what Allah will or will not do however because this one it is a negation of Tawheed and it is ill manners with Allah and it is ill thinking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, if somebody makes an oath by Allah that he will do such and such and so and so, as in the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that they are some of his of Allah's servants, who if they swore by Allah about something he would, he would fulfill it, it means the one who swears that Allah would do something from the perspective of Husnuddan, that they think well of Allah, that they expect only good from Allah. And if they are indeed deserving of it, Allah might fulfill it for them. What is the meaning of yata'allah? What is the meaning 
of yata'alla. Yani what is the meaning of the one who man dhalladhi yata'alla alayya? Yani the meaning of yata'alla it means al-half, yani swearing that a person makes an oath swearing by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he would do such and such and so and so. Yata'alla it is the meaning of what Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab has mentioned in the title of this chapter Al-Iqsam ala Allah making an oath by Allah. Why were the good deeds of the Rajulun Abidun invalidated? The good deeds of the uh, worshipper, they were invalidated because that person became pleased and amazed with their own deeds and stepped out of their place as a servant to Allah, which was a violation of the Tawheed, violation of the Tawheed of Ubudiyah that every servant should feel that they are slave to Allah and also it is a valid, invalidation of Tawheed or Rububiyyah in that somebody can claim or pretend or assume to control what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will or will not do or that they know what Allah will do well Allah is the only one who knows what he will do and he is the only one who controls what he does he does whatever he wills so the person who stepped out of his place it is a violation of Tawheed and it might be a violation of one's Tawheed completely or a violation of the perfection of Tawheed. In this case, it was a violation of his Tawheed and it ruined all of his deeds and caused him to be thrown into the hellfire. Explain the statement, he has spoken a kalima which, was, which has destroyed his life in this world and in the hereafter and identify the speaker. The speaker, it is, this is a report which is mawkuf, reported from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu and the meaning of this statement is that it was in reference to the hadith which he has reported, similar to the hadith under discussion, in which he said that the one who has sworn this oath, he was a rajulun abidun, a righteous man or a devoted worshipper. He said that that man has spoken a word, he has made a statement, and he's swearing by Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would do or he would not do such and such and so and so. And as a result of him stepping out of the bounds, it has destroyed his life in this world and in the hereafter. Yani meaning it has destroyed his deeds in this world which is the only thing that is of any value in the life of this world and it has destroyed his hereafter meaning the reward that he could have gotten for those deeds. What is the relationship of this chapter to the subject of a tawheed? The relationship of this chapter to the subject of a tawheed is that al-iqsam ala Allah or ta'alli ala Allah yani swearing by Allah in a way that one seems to suggest that they can control or determine what Allah will or will not do. It is ill manners with Allah and it is evil thinking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the vastness of His mercy and His bounty and it is a violation of a tawheed or a violation of the perfection of a tawheed. Mention some of the rulings of benefits derived from this chapter and that is what we have mentioned under the hadith. The nine points which we mentioned under the hadith. Before going to the next chapter, just quickly, some of the explainers of Kitab al-Tawheed have mentioned the hadith of Abu Huraira, which the author has referred to here. He said in the hadith of Abu Huraira, it is mentioned that Al-Qa'il Rajulun Abid, that the one who made that oath, he was a devoted worshipper. The fullness of that hadith has been mentioned by some of the scholars, and here, the wording of that hadith 
It is reported that Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu he said that I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that there were two men from Bani Israel. One of them was a sinner and the other one was a devoted worshipper, Mujtahidun fil Ibadah. So that one who was a Mujtahid in Ibadah, he continued to see the one who was a sinner, yani committing sins. So he said to him, stop from doing so. And one day he found him sinning and he said to him, stop. And that sinner said to him, Khallini wa Rabbi, leave me alone in my Lord, leave me to my Lord, mind your business, don't bother with me. Abu Ifta alayya raqiban, have you been missioned or commissioned or sent to be a watcher over me? Yani the sinner responded to him and answered him and told him in a harsh way to leave him alone. Then that caused that one who was proud of his worship and his deeds to step out of his position and out of bounds and to predict what Allah would, would or would not do. And he said, Wallahi, Allah will never forgive you and Allah would never admit you to the paradise. Then the souls of both of them were taken and they were gathered together in front of the Lord of the worlds. And he said to the one who was a mujtahid in his ibadah, a devoted worshipper, he said, Akunta bi aliman aw ala ma fi yadi qadiran. Yani, were you an alim, a knower, a all knower of what is with me, what I will do? Or, or did you have qadir, yani, did you have power over what is in my hand that you can control who I will give it to, my bounty or my mercy? And then he said to the sinner, he said, Izhab, fadkhulu al jannah. He said, Go and enter the paradise, bi rahmati, by the mercy of Allah, by my mercy. And he said to the other, Izhabu bihi ilan nar. Take him away, yani, to the fire. So this hadith is a clarification, and the hadith is sahih. It is a clarification of the fact that indeed the sinner entered the paradise. And the devoted worshipper, because of stepping out of the bounds and violating the Tawheed and Iman, he was thrown into the hellfire. The second chapter that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions, which is similar to this chapter in that it contains a warning against being loose with one's tongue and speaking out of place and saying that which is a violation of Tawheed or Iman. It is Bab. لا يستشفع بالله على خلقه باب لا يستشفع بالله على خلقه يعني that Allah may not be made as a shafi'i an intercessor Allah should not, will, should, may not be asked to intercede with any of his creatures يعني that if somebody wants something they will ask Allah to intercede for them with another creature while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has power over everything it, there's no need for Allah to intercede. Allah controls the creatures, all of them, and whatever they have, and Allah does whatever He wills. So it is not right that Allah be asked to intercede. But others might intercede with Allah, if He allows, and if He is pleased with them. As for somebody making Allah as a shafi' an interceder with one of His creatures, then this is prohibited. Here, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, mentions the hadith عن جبير ابن متعم أنه رضي الله عنه أنه قال جاء عربي إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم that a Bedouin Arab a person who lived out in the desert he came to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال يا رسول الله ناهكت الأنفس وجاع العيال وحلكت الأموال فاستسقي لنا ربك فَإِنَّا نَسْتَشْفِعُوا بِاللَّهِ عَلَيْكَ 
وَبِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يعني Bedouin who didn't know much about Islam and who didn't understand Tawheed he came at a time when there was severe drought he came to the Prophet وسلم, and as a result of that drought he described to the Prophet وسلم, what was the condition of the people he said that people are being destroyed that is their bodies have been weakened and worn down and the children are hungry due to the drought there was a famine and there was no food to eat and, li- and likewise their wealth amwal meaning their cattle they were also dying or being perished or perishing due to the lack of grazing land or anything to graze upon so that Bedouin he said to the Prophet ﷺ after describing this condition then ask or supplicate to your Lord for rain to cause the rain to come upon the land so that the crops may grow and that the animals may graze and that the people may eat he said supplicate to your Lord for rain for indeed we نستشفي, يعني we seek a shafa'a we seek an intercessor from Allah that Allah intercede for us with you we ask Allah to be an intercessor with you to seek what we want from you and we seek you to be an intercessor with Allah to seek from Allah what we want from Him Yani the Bedouin, he was confused on the first point that he is asking Allah to intercede with the Prophet while on the second point asking the Prophet or asking anyone to intercede with Allah that is an acceptable matter the Prophet yani the intercession of Allah is unacceptable because Allah there's no need for Allah to intercede with any of the creatures whatever is with the creatures Allah can give us whatever he wills he controls the creatures and what they have whereas the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ with Allah it is allowed that Allah might request for us through, uh, through that the Prophet ﷺ might request for us through a dua through supplication that he might supplicate for that which the people are in need of the istishfa upon the Prophet ﷺ it means seeking or asking the Prophet ﷺ to supplicate to ask Allah for that which the people are in need of فَقَالَ النَّبِيِّ when he heard these words of that man saying yani that we should make Allah as an intercessor as, a, as an intercessor with, intercessor with you to seek from you what we want the Prophet ﷺ said Subhanallah Subhanallah وَمَا زَالَ يُصَبِّحُ حَتَّى عُرِفَ ذَلِكَ فِي وُجُوهِ أَصْحَابِهِ Yani the Prophet ﷺ expressed his amazement and his discontent and displeasure and anger with the statement of that man that Allah be made an intercessor, that Allah be lowered from his high status to the position of an intercessor. And it is known that the one who intercedes commonly is one who is less than the one that is, that the thing is being sought from. And those who intercede with Allah don't intercede except by his permission. And those who intercede with Allah are in fear of him. How can we reverse it and make Allah as an interceder, as an intercessor with any of his creatures? The Prophet ﷺ said, Subhanallah, Subhanallah. In rebuke of the statement of that Bedouin, and likewise in confirmation of the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and a declaration that Allah is free of any defect or any imperfection, that Allah is the one who is perfect, who doesn't have any shortcoming, and he cannot be compared to in any way 
with his creatures. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not be an intercessor, but it is the creatures who might, by the permission of Allah, if he is pleased with them, intercede with him. So the Prophet ﷺ, he expressed his amazement and his displeasure and his confirmation of the falsehood and the wrong thinking of that Bedouin when he said, make Allah as an intercessor with you by this statement of Subhanallah, which is a declaration of the perfection of Allah, that Allah is free of any imperfection or any resemblance to the imperfection of the human beings. And he continued to say Subhanallah, and he continued to do so until his displeasure and his anger and his rejection it was seen in the faces of his companions they recognized and realized that he was angry and he was displeased with what that Bedouin has said and therefore that displeasure and that rejection of that statement was seen even in the faces of his companions and then the Prophet said وَيْحَكَ أَتَدْرِي مَاللَّهُ إِنَّ شَأْنَ اللَّهِ أَعْظَمُ مِنْ ذَلِكَ إِنَّهُ لَا يُسْتَشْفَعُ بِاللَّهِ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ Then the Prophet ﷺ said, وَيْحَكَ Woe to you! And some of the scholars of Arabic language said that وَيْحَكَ it might have a different meaning than wail. That وَيْحَكَ it is also an expression of تَرَحُّم that perhaps the meaning of this statement is that the Prophet ﷺ due to the ignorance of that Bedouin who wasn't of the learned people, who was out in the desert with the animals, that he didn't know what he was saying. He said, Wayhaka, meaning, may Allah have mercy on you. May Allah have mercy on you from what you have said. He said, Wayhaka. Atadri Allah. Yani, do you know what is Allah? Do you know who is Allah? Do you know how great and magnificent and glorious is Allah to make such a statement, to, to bring Allah down to the condition or the state of being an intercessor with one of his creatures? <laughs> Indeed, the affair of Allah, the greatness and glory and the magnificence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is beyond that, it is above that, it is beyond the possibility that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can step down to the level of being an intercessor with any of his creatures while he is the one who controls the creatures and whatever they have. Then the Prophet ﷺ made it clear to him that making Allah as an intercessor is not allowed. إِنَّهُ لَا يُسْتَشْفَعُ بِاللَّهِ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ That indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that shafa'ah is not sought from Allah. Shafa'ah or intercession is not to be sought from Allah on behalf of his creatures. Yani for one of his creatures to seek something uh, from another of them. It is not so that it should be done. And then he mentioned the rest of the hadith and that hadith is reported by Abu Dawood and the hadith it is considered as da'if as many of the scholars have said so due to in its chain it contains Muhammad ibn Ishaq ibn Yasar who was a mudallis yani one who used to sometimes use deception in reporting from his sheikh which is a defect according to the
directly from his shaykh, but he has used the expression an, and that is unacceptable from the, from the narrator who is a mudallis. Therefore, for this reason, the hadith is considered da'if, as well as it also contains another narrator, Yarhamukallah, Jubair ibn Muhammad, who is the grandson of the narrator of the hadith, Jubair ibn Mut'im, and it is said that Jubair ibn Muhammad, who narrated from his father, from his grandfather, that he himself, that he was majhul, yani that he was not a confirmed narrator whose hadith could be acceptable. For these two reasons, this hadith is considered as weak. Even Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir in his tafsir said that this hadith is gharib. He didn't accept it. And other scholars have said likewise, including Al-Hafiz al-Zahabi, who said that the hadith, he also said the hadith is gharib jiddan, for the reason of the presence of Ibn Ishaq, uh, who he said has narrated many unacceptable hadith. Uh, he said, Fallahu alam aqala an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam hadha Allah only knows if the Prophet sallallahu has indeed made this statement or not. In any case, the meaning of the hadith, that which is important that we are discussing under this topic, al istishfa' billah ala khalqihi, and he's seeking to make Allah as an intercessor with any of his creatures. The meaning that is contained in this hadith related to this point, it is well known that it is correct, that it is true, that it is so. And therefore, even though the isnad of the hadith is weak, and there are some statements in the complete text of this hadith, as it is narrated in Abu Da'ud, not the way that it is narrated here, but as the hadith is narrated in its complete text, it contains some statements that are unacceptable, that are munkar, rejectable, not in accordance with that which is well known in the Sharia. For this reason, most of the scholars consider this hadith as da'if. However, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has used it as a proof of the danger of one's tongue, if one is not careful, in observing the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in what we say and what we do. Here, al-Shaykh al-Qur'awi, hafizahullah, says in the general meaning of this hadith that Jubayr ibn Mut'im, radiallahu anhu, that he has said that a man from amongst the Bedouin Arabs have complained to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu about the condition of the people of being in drought and famine and he asked or requested from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu to ask Allah or to supplicate to Allah to remove that condition the hardship and difficulty that they were suffering from and to cause the rain to fall upon them except that that Bedouin may Allah forgive him and may Allah pardon him that he fell into the mistake of yani su'al adab ma'allah wa ma'rasulihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the speech that he made yani the statement that he made uh, saying that we would make Allah as an intercessor with one of his creatures this was yani wrong and it was incorrect and it was yani not proper respect for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the tawheed to request to make Allah as an intercessor with the Messenger of Allah So the Prophet became angry, very angry, and he rejected the statement of this Bedouin. Uh, and the statement, the expression that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could be lowered to a condition of seeking to be an intercessor with any of, or being sought to be an intercessor with any of his creatures. Uh, and that anger or displeasure of the Prophet ﷺ was also seen in his companions. The Prophet ﷺ expressed his displeasure and rejection of that statement and the confirmation of the perfection of Allah and that such a statement is incorrect by saying, Subhanallah, 
يعني declaring Allah being far removed and above and free from any defect or shortcoming or imperfection and this expression it was also a warning of the incorrectness of the statement of the Bedouin and here the and here the Prophet also informed us that the majesty and the greatness and the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is far beyond and above him being taken as an intercessor with any of his intercessor with any of his creatures because everything that exists is the possession or the property of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything is under his absolute control and he is the one who is not asked about what he does while everyone else is asked about their deeds and they will be questioned and called to account for them here the shaykh mentions seven benefits or fawaid from this hadith the first of them is the permission of seeking a dua from those who are living and the permission of asking someone who is living to supplicate the second is the prohibition of seeking rain from other than Allah and supplicating for rain from anyone other than Allah Allah is the one who controls the rain the third point is that it is legislated to supplicate and also the confirmation that supplication indeed benefits number four the clarification of the harm of ignorance yani the harm of ignorance that a person who doesn't know and who doesn't understand what they should say or do could cause yani a great loss and a great harm to befall them number five the obligation of speaking against evil when it is seen or witnessed number six the obligation of declaring Allah to be free from anything that is outside of that which is befitting of his majesty and his glory number seven the prohibition of al-istishfa' billahi ala ahad bin khalqihi yani the prohibition of seeking to make Allah as an intercessor with any of his creatures then the shaykh says the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of al-istishfa' billah yani of seeking to make Allah as an intercessor with any of his creatures and this is understood because the Prophet ﷺ rejected his statement and because the Prophet ﷺ when he said subhanallah he expressed yani the, the severity of such of the wrongness of such a statement and he prohibited it and the relationship of this hadith to the general topic of at-tawheed is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of seeking to make Allah as an intercessor with any of his creatures because to do so it is reducing the greatness and the glory and the majesty of Allah and lowering his position or his high status and this is a negation of at-tawheed it is also ill manners with Allah because indeed normally the one who is sought to intercede with someone is of a lesser status and in a lesser position than the one who they are going to intercede with and therefore it is not right to put Allah in such a position while he is the one who is al-azim al-kabir he is the supreme and the great one who there's no one who is above him but everyone and everything is below him the messiah that al-imam muhammad ibn abdul wahab has mentioned at the end of this chapter there are five also the first of them 
is the rebuking or censuring of the Prophet ﷺ of the saying of that man نَسْتَشْفِعُوا بِاللَّهِ عَلَيْكَ that we seek to make Allah as an intercessor with you and this is yani, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ rejected such a thought is indicated in the statement of the Prophet ﷺ SubhanAllah At-Tadri Mallah yani, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great and beyond such. Do you know yani, who is Allah? Do you know how great and glorious and magnificent is Allah? And also in his statement, إِنَّهُ لَا يُسْتَشْفَعُوا بِاللَّهِ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not to be sought. He may not be sought as an intercessor with any of his creatures. The second issue, it is the change, the clear change that took place in the face of the Prophet ﷺ that was known from the faces of his companions yani his displeasure and his rejection of that statement it brought about a change in his face which was also reflected in the faces of his companions and that was due to the word spoken by this Bedouin Arab and this is understood from the statement of the narrator that the Prophet ﷺ continued to say Subhanallah until the effect of that statement the effect on the Prophet ﷺ of that statement it was seen not only in his face but also seen in the face of his companions and his repeating that word Subhanallah Subhanallah it is an indication of his yani the change that came over him and how it affected him yani when he heard that word and this shows the severity or of the yani, rejection of that statement. The third mas'ala or third issue uh, is that the Prophet ﷺ didn't reject the statement of the Bedouin نَسْتَشْفِعُوا بِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ yani, that we seek to make you as an, intercessor, as an intercessor with Allah. The Prophet ﷺ didn't censure him, didn't rebuke him or didn't reject that statement. And here Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen rahimahullah says um, because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when the man said that we will make Allah as an intercessor with you he rejected his statement. But when he said we will make you as an intercessor with Allah the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam remained silent. And this is an indication that it's permissible to do so. And here he said, there's an important rule, a qaida, and it is that whenever any text came in which a number of things are mentioned in one statement, while some of those things in that statement are rejected or censured, and others, there's silence about it, this is an indication that what the, what the Qur'an or what the Sunnah has remained silent about, that it is correct and that it is true and it is permissible. And he said, he gave some examples of this. One of the examples he gave is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَإِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً قَالُوا وَجَدَنَا عَلَيْهَا آبَاءَنَا وَاللَّهُ أَمَرَنَا بِهَا قُلْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَعْمُرْ بِالْفَحْشَةِ Yani that when they do evil, fahsha, fahisha, they said we found our ancestors doing like this. And Allah has ordered us to do it. Then Allah says in this ayat, say, verily Allah does not order al-fahsha, Allah does not order evil. So here the shaykh said, 
that there are two things mentioned in the statement. One of them they said that when they do evil, they said, we found our four, our ancestors doing like this. And the other statement they said, and Allah has ordered us to do it. And, in, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has rejected one of their statements. He rejected their statement that they said that Allah has ordered us to do this. He said, قُلْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَعْمُرُ بِالْفَحْشَاءِ That Allah doesn't order evil or indecency. But he didn't say anything about their statement that they said we found our ancestors doing like this, which means that in that, that part of the statement, what they said, it is true. Therefore, from this, the Shaykh said, the principle is that whenever more than one statement or more than one matter is mentioned in one statement, Whatever has been rejected, that is what is wrong, and whatever has been, there is silence about it, then it is acceptable, and it is true. And here, the point is that the Prophet ﷺ has rejected the idea that Allah be made as an intercessor, and he has not said anything about the statement of the Bedouin that we will make you as an intercessor with Allah, which means that it is allowed. The fourth issue is uh, bringing to our attention the tafsir, or the explanation of the expression Subhanallah. And here the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen rahimahullah says that this is understood, the meaning of Subhanallah is understood from the statement of the Prophet after he said Subhanallah, he said, Inna sha'nallah a'azam. Yani, do you not know who is Allah? He said, Ama tadri mallah. Do you not know who is Allah? How great is Allah? He said, Indeed, Inna sha'nallah a'azam. That the matter of Allah is higher. The majesty and the sublimity and the greatness and the glory of Allah is beyond that he should be brought low to the position of being an intercessor with someone who is above him. It is not so. And this is a proof that the meaning of subhanallah here, the Prophet saying subhanallah, it means that he is saying, he is negating from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that which nullifies or reduces or lowers his greatness and his glory. He is saying subhanallah, that statement it is a statement that is not in accord with the greatness and glory and magnificence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the last issue, the Shaykh has discussed in detail, however, we'll just summarize the fifth issue. It is, أَنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ يَسْأَلُونَهُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ الْإِسْتِسْقَى That the Muslims, they used to ask him to make al-istisqa, they used to ask him to pray to Allah or to supplicate to Allah for rain. They used to ask the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, to do so. And he said that this was in the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. As for after his death, then we don't find that anyone has done so, not from amongst the Sahaba or the Tabi'een or those who followed in their way. In fact, what we find is that when there was a severe drought in the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab anhu, that he sought al-Abbas anhu, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, to make istisqa, to supplicate to Allah for rain. And if it was proper and allowed to ask the Prophet ﷺ to supplicate for rain after his death, then there was no need to ask Al-Abbas to do so. But they could have easily gone to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ and asked him to supplicate. However, it is not allowed. Asking the Prophet ﷺ to supplicate for rain or to supplicate for the needs of the people in his lifetime is what is allowed. And after his death, it is not allowed. Uh, the questions with this uh, chapter, what is the meaning of al-istishfa or istishfa? The meaning of it, it is to seek a shafa'a, to seek someone to intercede. To seek someone to intercede. 
and what is its hukum or legal ruling and explain the legal for this the reason for this ruling the hukum concerning istishfa of Allah with his preachers is that it is forbidden it is prohibited to seek Allah to intercede with his creatures and the reason being that it is a belittling or a lowering of the status of the sublimity or the greatness and the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he be put in the position of one who goes to another to seek some benefit or to ward off some harm from someone by seeking one of his creatures to give or to uh, not harm that one. The reason for the prohibition of al-istishfa with Allah is that it is a negation of tawheed. It is a belittling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's status. Explain the expression subhanallah and why the Prophet sallallahu mentioned it here. The meaning of, of subhanallah, it means it, it is a declaration of the greatness and glory and magnificence of Allah and an expression of Allah's perfection and that Allah is free from any fault or defect or imperfection and that he is free from any similarity or being compared to his creatures and that he is free of anything that is unbecoming of his greatness and his glory. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned subhanallah here as an explanation or exclamation of his amazement and his censure and rebuke of the statement of the Bedouin who made a statement which was a violation of a tawheed. What is the meaning of al-istishfa seeking intercession of the Prophet ﷺ upon Allah and what is its hukum or ruling in his lifetime and after his death? The meaning of al-istishfa of the Prophet with Allah, it means asking the Prophet ﷺ to supplicate to Allah, to supplicate, to make dua to Allah for something that the people are in need of. And its ruling is that it is permissible in the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ and it is forbidden after his death. What is the difference between al-istishfa from the living and the dead? Al-istishfa from the living is that the living who are present and who it is expected from them that their dua would be accepted, it is allowed because one may request from them to supplicate and they might answer your request by supplicating Allah and Allah might answer their supplication. However, the dead who cannot hear your request and who cannot respond to your request and whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not respond to because they cannot do anything, they cannot, their deeds are cut off when a person dies all of their deeds are cut off, therefore there is no supplicating from the dead. So the difference is that the living can supplicate and the dead cannot. Therefore it is the living who can bring some benefit or some harm and not the dead. Therefore the dead should not be sought to supplicate for the living. What is the relationship of this chapter to the subject of a tawheed? The relationship of this chapter to the subject of a tawheed is that this chapter indicates the prohibition of seeking to make Allah as an intercessor with his creatures because this is a reducing or a lowering of the status of Allah. It is an indication or an expression of a defect or a shortness in Allah's greatness and his glory. It is a lowering of his status. It is an expression of ill conduct or ill manners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah is the one who has the ability to do whatever he wills and to give whomever he wills and therefore there is no need to go to Allah to intercede with anyone but we may ask Allah directly it is Allah himself whom we seek others to intercede with and not 
that Allah should be sought to intercede with anyone. Uh, just quickly, the summary of these two chapters from Sheikh uh, Abdurrahman Al-Sa'adi. He has combined these two chapters in his brief comment and he said that both of these matters that is swearing upon Allah that he will or will not do something or seeking Allah as an intercessor with his, as an intercessor with his creatures that both of these are an expression of su al-adab concerning the right of Allah that they are ill mannered with Allah that they are not showing proper respect with Allah and both of them are a nullification of tawheed or a nullification of the perfection of tawheed as for al-iqsam ala Allah or swearing by Allah that he will or will not do something he said that this, usually it is due to the one who is amazed or fascinated with himself. One who is amazed with their actions or with their worship. And therefore they raise themselves above the status of one who is a slave of Allah. Or one who is conceited, who feels courageous enough to take liberties with Allah and to attempt to make binding on Allah that which is not his will. Also, both of them are ill manners with Allah and a person's iman would not be complete their iman would not be perfected until they are free from both of these types of actions as for al-istishfa yani seeking to make Allah as an intercessor with his creatures uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above such that he should be sought to intercede with any of his creatures for indeed the status or the position of the one who is sought to intercede with another is usually lower than the status or the position of the one who, is, who the intercession is going to. Therefore, this is improper manners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It must be avoided for indeed those who intercede with Allah cannot intercede except by His permission. All of them are in fear of him. How can we reverse the matter and make Allah as a shafi'i, as an intercessor, as an intercessor, and putting him in the lower position to seek from someone else, while he is al-kabir, al-azim, he is the great and the supreme, to whom all the next, yani all human beings surrender, and to whom all of the creation entirely and completely and altogether are humble. How can we put Allah in the position? of one of his creatures while he is the one to whom everything submits. Subhanakallah, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, wa ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa tubu ilayk. If there are any comments quickly or questions or any corrections. Naam. Some of the scholars said that as far as making such a statement about the kafirs, it should be qualified that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he will not forgive the one who dies on shirk however saying that Allah will not forgive such a person who is a mushrik it is not proper because that mushrik might enter Islam that kafir might enter Islam that sinner might correct their behavior so it should be qualified by saying that those who die on kufr and those who die on shirk then Allah has said he will not forgive them 
Allah has said he will not forgive those who die in kufr and shirk. But as for the mushrik or the kafir or the sinner who is living, we cannot say so. Because that person may correct their behavior or that kafir might enter Islam or that mushrik may abandon their shirk. And Allah knows best. فكيف تتقون إن 